Hello, everybody. <laughs> Kyle here. I am joined by my co-host, Pagan. But if you're joining us in Twitch chat, you actually get to see video of the amazing Katie Webb. How are you today, Katie? Pretty good. Glad to have you here. We were just talking about Elementals after we binged all five episodes of Haunt Me at the GRCC. Yes. We didn't expect what we got into again. Like, those are yeah. good. Right? They are so good. Yep. You, the team, the team obviously approaches things in a different way even a lot of metaphysical whereas i think a lot of tv avoids the tarot the divination the altars but between watching you and the haunt me team watching greg and dana show up which didn't even know that was gonna happen when i was watching it oh yeah I, yeah <laughs> you guys dropped a lot on us including some amazing billy the idol going around oh. with you there Whew. yeah billy billy is the best. Billy is the best. There was like a really good period of my in like of my life where I spent a lot of time with Billy and it was blessed. Oh, <laughs> awesome. I can only imagine. So I'm just trying to think how we want to set this up for chat because they have some questions for us today. Okay. Um, and actually one of the ones, maybe we'll throw this to you. I don't know if this is going to be too much of a starter, but it'll get us talking about elementals for sure. Yeah. Uh, in one of those episodes... It was Greg and Dana with the Dybbuk box. The idea of PK manifestations came up. Psychokinetic uh, charging something with energy to the point that it may even manifest its own intelligence at some point. Yeah. We just talked about tulpas. Do you have kind of an operational term difference in your mind? Are these things related? Could PK manifestations be the same thing? Separate? How do you stand on that? issue i think yeah i think um i think tulpas have reached some sort of consciousness right isn't that their thing where mm -hmm. they started as a pk manifestation and then it's kind of like taken on a life of its own um those can be really hard to spot too but patterns you know when you investigate something over and over and over again and you notice patterns i think that's a way to figure out if something's a tulpa um that's my, I don't know. I think that's where I stand on it. I think that they're kind of the same thing, but I think that tulpas have kind of branched out and become something greater than the original PK maybe manifestation started. I like that. That isn't that. I is like that too. Kind of where we ended yeah. up landing on it a bit. Really? Was like, we, we thought, you know, it's a chicken before the egg sort of situation, a lot of it. You know, I think we're in total agreement, though, that a tulpa is something that has ascended to an intelligence, which uh, Greg implied that a, a PK could. Um, yeah. And why not, though, either, right? Like, in, in that Dybbuk box, it was, what, consuming fear, charging itself off of that. Yeah. The Dybbuk box is a really interesting... I um, like sort of study when it comes to PK manifestations, because um, if you want to look at it more, there is another episode with the Dybbuk box at the Parson with actually the first time we met Greg and Dana, which is just via, they're not really in it, just like a video call. But um, in that, ep in that episode, we hadn't realized it was a PK manifestation yet. So um, once you know it is, and then you kind of go back and you look at the evidence that we got, you see that, it does respond to you. Like it does have some sort of 
intelligence in a way, um, but up to a point. Mm-hmm. And then that's mm-hmm. so it would tell us that its name is Sam, which is really interesting because the owner of the box would then chime in, "No, you're Paimon, remember?" So you see the training kind of going on. Uh, <laughs> the PK training. <laughs> yeah. But why is the box telling us its name is Sam? That's a great question. That is that a great question. That was part of the PK manifestation. They wanted that box to say its name was Paimon. And they would say that after every time it said its name was Sam. But it, I mean, from the moment I met it, the very first time I met it was in Mexico, Maine. And so actually, yeah, so actually it's in two more episodes Mm-hmm. Um, prior to us finding out that it was a PK manifestation. So those are kind of like interesting studies because right from the moment we met it, it said its name was Sam to us. Um, and in the beginning, I thought it was like a ghost that was in the room because we were in a haunted location. So how, you know, how do you know the difference? Mm-hmm. Um, and because, you know, the owner of that box had said, this is like a demonic Dybbuk box. Um, I didn't think that Sam had anything to do with it, but it was saying its name was Sam from the moment I met it. Um, and I don't know what that is or why. <laughs> that's because so they didn't want that. They didn't want it to say that's what its name was. So I don't. So that's something outside of the manifestation. So I don't, I don't know how to explain really it. <laughs> Yeah, you're training it to say its name being Paimon. You'd think that that would be the first thing it would start to adopt if it synergized with that. But I mean, I guess even me saying it's synergizing, that implies it has some sort of wants or intelligence to it, too. So if it's coming through as Sam, it definitely sees itself differently. Yeah. I mean, there's something there that has a personification of itself. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But again... creates intelligence right but then it doesn't go much further like it won't like when you would ask it questions it would give you like very standard horror movie trope like i am a demon or like i'm gonna kill you or you're a bitch you know just like very like (laughs) all right (laughs) yeah (laughs) you're trying too hard (laughs) this is a bad script you're giving me right now bad script bad writing here (laughs) and then that's it i mean it doesn't it would never go further so obviously you know there's something to the fact that it's a pk manifestation but why is it disagreeing (laughs) with its owner (laughs) so i you you make it you bring something up uh just in my mind you trigger a question with with ouija boards and stuff where you often I, at least I've hear, heard and we experimented with one a couple times before that yielded some interesting results, but again, very shallow definitions. And I guess it gets me wondering how often could you run into a PK manifestation tied to something that we do assume is way deeper or way more? And, you know, that, that could be a whole other aspect that investigators just might be looking over. Yeah, I think that it's highly highly likely that a ton of paranormal activity is just like leftover energy. Mm -hmm. That's like, so one time I experienced somebody, an EVP of somebody saying that they were about to commit suicide. 
And at that location, I know it's very intense. It's not, it's not something to take lightly, but the EVP we got was a man saying that he was about to jump off of a bridge. And prior at, at that location, somebody had jumped off a bridge four days prior to us being there. So that, as far as the EVPs would go, we weren't able to talk with that person any further. It wasn't like that person mm-hmm. remained anymore. It's like that moment in time where they had so much intense energy. They were about to jump off of a bridge. Like, what were they feeling? Obviously, something extreme inside. And it's like it left a mark, an audio mark. Mm-hmm. That we picked up with a DR-60. Wow. How? Why? And if it's like, and I guess I, what my brain's stuck up on is if it's, if it's a, if it's a leftover imprint and it's answering you, then it's not just even limited to just outright being a broken record, reciting concerns out loud, just like Mm -hmm. someone yelling in the street. It's. You know, if you're actually asking a question, it's giving some sort of answer. That energy is somehow then reacting to whatever you're putting out there. Yeah. Was that the Fort Which Knox one? Crazier. <laughs> right? Was that Fort Knox How? when you guys were doing that interview? Like that that sounds familiar. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that was Fort Knox. Which okay. already had a crazy amount of energy going on there. <laughs> I you... know, right? There was already like a whole separate investigation going on at that location at the time, but we did happen to catch that EVP um, also, um, which also brings up like, you know, a lot of people always encountering ghosts from like, you know, early 1900s, 1800s, that kind of a thing. And we encountered something from four days prior, um, which is also interesting. It really is. I mean, it gets me into like a speculative lens. Like, I almost want to ask, like, do, do, do we... Well, I guess I will ask, do you think then that maybe, I guess if someone passes traumatically like that, does that energy only exist then for a certain amount of time and you guys got really lucky in wandering through a spot where that was recent and it was going to fade away anyway? How how do you kind of feel about maybe the longevity of some of those imprints? That is entirely possible. I would I would love to talk to the paranormal like that Fort Knox has resident paranormal investigators. Um, it'd be interesting to talk to them to see if they continue to interact with that person. That would be interesting. That mm-hmm. really would. Yeah. Um, I think they have different paranormal investigators than they used to, I, which I would hope um, because I did encounter investigators <laughs> there many years ago many many years ago um falsifying evidence so (laughs) i just i would hope that it's new investigator if if you were to inquire about a person committing suicide i would hope that someone would have enough respect to not falsify evidence (laughs) i would too and i think something that that pagan and i have really been picking up with the investigations that you and a lot of the PhenomenaCon crew all partake in that we really respect is uh, the willingness to come forward with a lack of evidence, which mm-hmm. really mm. I, I, these stories are so fascinating. And there's that adage that real life is scarier than fiction anyway. I mean, it really 
It's pretty yeah. creepy. So why even falsify that? You know, like that that Fort Knox area is just wild as it is. You can come and tell me you've got nothing because right over there, there's tons of evidence popping up. So it sucks that they falsified. I hope you're right. I hope there's a new group there. I hope so. That was many years ago. So that was the very first time we ever went there. Um, we were filming. And after we filmed, we... The, they were the type of ghost hunters that were wearing, uh, like, tactical vests and oh. bullet vests. <laughs> and ghost hunting. Oh, wow. no. But they also they had cell phones in their tactical vests that were setting off K2 meters. Aw, yeah, no. Just, oh. just let the ghost do the talking. You don't need to do the talking for the ghosts. <laughs> it's so haunted. Just leave it alone. Yeah. <laughs> Let it do its thing. Space Unicorn yeah. in chat has a question. Is okay. PK the manifestation in the physical realm without evidence of a physical reason for the event? Um, they, and they go on to elaborate saying like moving mm -hmm. doors, shattering glass, things flying from the room. So is the PK manifestation the physical realm? I think, yeah. But mm -hmm. I also think PK manifestation can move things. I think it can be really intense depending on the gravity of people putting their energy into it. There's a mm. lot of haunted locations that are now haunted that were not <laughs> at one point simply because of ghost hunting. Yes. Simply because people go there wanting to find ghosts and now they do. And they've essentially attracted them. Yes. <laughs> Did uh, they attract ghosts from other areas? Or is it just our minds? What are our minds capable of? I think about the book Jitterbug Perfume written by Tom Robbins all the time. So this is a book about Pan. And it's about perfume. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> Laura literally just recommended this yesterday. Literally, right? just yesterday. She just and, wow. And is this book is like it takes a lot of paranormal ideas into a fictional realm, but you can apply them a lot. Ghost hunting, and I used to read it once a year. It's like my favorite book of all time, and. I use it and I think about it all the time because it starts off, it jumps around in like timeline, in like human timeline, but essentially it starts off with Pan being the great god Pan, you know, and being worshipped by many people. And over time, all that's left of him is his scent. No one can see him anymore because no one believes in him anymore. And these people, they meet him and they start believing in him and just two people believing in him makes him start to reappear. Oh, wow. And the more people that believe in him, the stronger he gets and the more uh, people see him and he, the more he appears. And I think that that says a lot about, I mean, I know that's a fictional story, but I also think that it comes into play all the time, ghost hunting. Um, our belief is one hell of a thing. <laughs> wow. You literally always yeah, blow our like minds. Elementals. <laughs> I think elementals 
we brought Big you time. here to talk about elementals and you've wound up blowing our minds way more than again we could have ever like we this was not the intention and yet like that you was all Tom Robbins. So that wasn't even me <laughs> well it is fun that you mentioned that though because because literally Lord just told us about that and we were commenting on how how cute of a title it was jitterbug perfume yeah. so for you to yeah. bring it up next day is like okay well clearly that yeah. demands a spot on the reading list uh yeah definitely Ultimately, you know, it's all about finding that perfect base note. And like, what is that metaphor? So the base note of a perfume, mm -hmm. like what does that metaphor like mean to you? What is the base note of where you exist? Wow. In the book, it's beats. But. <laughs> beats. In... For me, I think it's potatoes. <laughs> potatoes is good. I like that. <laughs> And someone this? is wanting us to read that book, apparently, Mac Raven says in chat. So <laughs> I, I'm I'm starting to see that maybe, maybe, yeah. I don't know. I, I was channeling Pan in my sigil yesterday, and then Laura starts talking about Pan, and now you're talking about the same book and with Pan and everything else. Hey. Okay, I get the memo. <laughs> yeah. The veil has book. thinned. <laughs> yeah. I get it. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's move on and talk a little bit about specifically, I guess, the GRCC one here, just to focus in for a second. We we could talk yeah. to you literally about all these different angles all day, but I'm committing myself because we promised in the podcast to ask you. <laughs> Otherwise, I would just follow down this massive rabbit hole for hours. <laughs> so pulling myself to center, uh, setting it up for people in chat. It's the Greater Rumford Community Center. Mm -hmm. Uh, your team went there five different episodes. In the first one, there is in this very creepy basement and maybe worse than the basement, catacombs within the basement that are dirty and like a layer you kept describing that room as. Like you immediately, I noticed, picked up on a smell of just something habitating and digesting there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Real like, you know how dogs have that just like dog smell? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. It wasn't it wasn't a dog smell, but it was a smell. I don't know what it was a smell of. <laughs> didn't sound like you were enjoying that smell. I did not get an no, enjoyment. It didn't sound like you guys enjoyed the catacombs at all. <laughs> no, it had a urine-ness to it for sure. Ew. Yeah, I do remember you guys saying that, mm -hmm. how much it just reeked of that. So yeah. Then also the appearance of something skittering around on the floor on all fours, which at first I think you guys thought was that. Well, I'll ask you, obviously, I don't have to infer. So what, what if you can think <laughs> back, Katie, like what what do you, how do you see that entity now? Obviously, we've talked about it being an elemental, but when it first presented itself, not a very pleasant thing, not something you'd want to run up and, and give a hug to by any means. No, something straight out of your worst nightmares. <laughs> um, but I love the story arc of this creature because mm -hmm. we were afraid of it at first. And... We were afraid of it for years. We were afraid of it for a long time because it presented in a scary way. Its limbs moved backwards and it crawled up the ceilings and stuff. And, you know, after I said that I saw it, you know, of course, 
that that guy, <laughs> that Dybbuk box guy, says that whatever I did in that location made that creature start scratching people. Um, hmm. Obviously. No, <laughs> that's not the case. I think, though, I think when I look back on it, what happened was that it realized that we can pay attention. And it was mm-hmm. trying to get other people to pay attention because it's a working community center. People have ballet lessons. They do karate, gymnastics, all those kinds of like fun kid activities. So there's all kinds of activity and people in there every day. So I think when it realized that some random person came in in the middle of the night and could actually try to communicate and tried to communicate and tried to listen to a message, it went forward and tried to get other people to pay attention Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think, you know, scratches can be a variety of things, but when you're a creature, I don't know how many times you get scratched by your cat when it just wants you to pay attention, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. and also like out of love, right? Like cats will scratch out of love when they're like needing and like, or they'll bite when you're like scratching their favorite spot. Like they're a different creature than us. So like those scratches and bites aren't what we interpret like if a human bites you unless it's like in an act of lust it's usually not like a good thing right right? but you know we have to think animals do it for all kinds of different reasons and so if this is speaking of my animals (laughs) causing a ruckus (laughs) um yeah there's all kinds of reasons something with might scratch so you know at first obviously it was received in a negative manner but I don't think it was negative. I think it was just something just desperately trying to get us to pay attention because as you know, you, we found out that it was a river spirit and it wants us to clean up the river. Mm-hmm. Simple, simple as that. And you know, the Androscoggin at one point was the number 12 most polluted river in our country. I think it's number like 50 something now. So it is getting better. Um, a mm-hmm. lot of the paper mills that were along it um, have shut down. So that's a huge step. But it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's still not great. People just don't, we're just not holding the huge polluters accountable. So I think that that's kind of where some of the desperation comes in from a spirit. You know, mm-hmm. humans can go and clean up the trash along the river, but that's an ultimately not the greatest contributor to the pollution that's a good point yeah i think it was like desperate desperate for someone to pay attention pagan would you like to share your experience because she shared it on the podcast but also a similar one that you'd appreciate katie uh so, uh, Katie, uh, about a week or so ago, I, I live at a farm and I was walking through the woods and I had this thing following me and it came across almost as malevolent in the beginning. And then I just kind of stopped and was like, no, if you want to be malevolent, go somewhere else. I, I'm, I don't have time for you. I'm not going to deal with it. I will defend myself if necessary. And then it stopped and instantly kind of changed how it was feeling. And at that point, it's went from being malevolent to more curious and willing to talk. And as it started talking, it actually ended up talking about the fact that it was an elemental. And when I looked at it, it showed me this kind of thing of where it wasn't, 
what you would imagine as an elemental. It wasn't pretty and all this. It, but when it came out of the tree, not from behind it or in front of it, it came out of it. It came across as very unnatural, but it wasn't the way that you guys described it. But it did walk on all fours, kind of like a spider. Mm-hmm. And it came across almost in this dark and twisted, scary looking way. But, you know, when I was like, why do you look like this? It, it said, because I was made to. And I'm like, why? <laughs> and it basically just kind of showed me the destruction of the planet. And that basically it was this kind of sobering moment for me that it's like, have we done this to elementals? Have we done this to our planet so much that they're now getting to this point that they're twisted And it even went so far as to say, you know, when I asked, can you be reversed? It said, no, I can't be. I'm stuck this way permanently. Yeah. So, you know, when I've talked about it with Kyle and chat and on the podcast here, the one thing that I definitely was curious is, was it being that tricksy elemental that's, you know, not really 100% going to say I'm being truthful or I'm, you know, doing this? Is it really in this stuck kind of phase where it can't go back? Have, have we permanently harmed our planet and elementals to the point that they can't go back to their natural state? Yes, I think we have. I think that we've been hugely, hugely destructive. I mean, just from the way that we acquired this country in the first place, the mm-hmm. amount, think about the energy of that war. Think about the way that white people just killed everybody (laughs) and that we didn't just do it to this country that we colonized islands and africa (laughs) and everything under this mentality that we were something superior and i think that we that mentality is carried in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. of this like human superiority Um, And I think that that has been really damaging. Um, Mm -hmm. I just, I think about all the like indigenous blood that is like seeped into the ground. I think about even, right. Even just the civil war, those clashing, like how that is entrenched in the ground. I mean, you go to Gettysburg, right. And it's just like, in like the war is just like still going on in Gettysburg because it's just Mm -hmm. like this I mean, imagine the fear of soldiers or just, like, the utter just, like, horribleness of, like, getting into that. (laughs) If, like, you're into the war. (laughs) How, like, what that kind of energy is like and what how that sticks around. Um, But I also think because we don't look at the root of the problem that we, like, push aside. um, and, And I think a lot of us... You know, I think society is built in such a way where a lot of us feel really like powerless when it comes to change. So Mm -hmm. I think that's like a big energy. Um, And I just think that it's it's just so much work to change what has happened. Um, I don't know. Will, I, don't, I don't think it will change it in the way that it needs to in our lifetime, sadly. No, um, I, I don't think so either. And it, like I said, the, the experience was very sobering and it, it was very saddening to kind of think about, yeah. you know, if we're, we've actually done this, not just with, like you said, the destructive nature of humans, but globally as a whole, it wasn't just showing, you know, what's been done in my area. It was the whole planet mm-hmm. and everything yes. that's been done. It's planet. So, 
it was just, it was very disturbing and very sad. And to kind of think about that we've done this and, you know, obviously the energy from this elemental never came out, you know, other than the initial time it was never malevolent again it was just always you know i'm here to communicate and every time i go walking it seems to just kind of come out of the woodwork again and it's like hey i'm just gonna hang out with you and it's like okay you're welcome to hang <laughs> yeah <laughs> i think so, that malevolent feeling too like is like a protective thing right yes that's <laughs> what we said as well mm-hmm. yeah because we kind of act that way when we're ghost hunting right like we <laughs> act tough and like Cause we're trying to protect ourselves. Um, and, um, we love our, we love our cats and our dogs here. So they're always welcome. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I think that, um, spirits and humans alike all have to get over that initial fear when kind of experiencing something new. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is really a really poignant thing. We had just said something very similar along that line about how maybe defensive at first, because especially if you're used to us constantly attacking you and destroying your being, your yeah. whatever your realm, your whatever you're in charge of, whatever you come from, then why wouldn't we be looked at as enemies at first? We are enemy combatants. Yeah. Look at you building your house mm-hmm. on my my home. Yep. You tore worse than that, you tore down my house to build your home. You know, yeah. it's a really offensive thing. So yeah. I just hope that we can change some of them. The one that Pagan mentioned that it said it couldn't be. Did you have any luck in our interview? You'd spoken briefly about um, how, well, at the end of the episode, you guys do a little bit with the river. Um, You'd mentioned wanting to go back and do a cleansing. Mm -hmm. Have you noticed any sort of increase there in in purity um, as an act from either your part? I know you said that the river in general has been improving, but is there anything people could do you think people have um, in connecting directly with them any chance to help? Or do you think more systemic? I don't know. I don't know if directing, because it, we have to fix what we're doing as humans mm-hmm. is the problem. Mm-hmm. So I don't think there's anything we can do spiritually, like connecting with them in an investigation, other than just talking. Mm-hmm. Um, talking and learning and listening. I mean, it's always good to just listen. Um, but I think listening, um, and I mean, we have to end capitalism. Like it's the only way and that's a big task. That is a huge task. And (laughs) one that I'm not sure a lot of people are on the same page. No, but I, I am with you. I, it's, it's very distressing. It's oppressive, like you said, in its very nature, it is expansive and consuming. And when it moves, like when you said the islands, like it doesn't stop. It always needs something new to eat. Mm -hmm. And so I work at TJ Maxx and it, you know, it's conflicting with my soul in a lot of reasons. But I think that um, I always try to find like lessons in everything. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And I'm reminded every day they would really I shouldn't have shouted them out i get in trouble for mentioning them on socials so. oh no anyway i have no idea who you mentioned never right. happened never have been there <laughs> wonderful um but i i run their home department so it's my job to um see what merchandise they get and you know arrange the whole department so everything fits 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, we get trucks of like 12 pallets of stuff a day and we just have tons and tons of stuff and people buy it and we get tons more and people buy it and we get tons more and it's a never ending cycle of trash it's all garbage everything i mean i'm sorry but everything in that store is garbage it's like sure you need the pillows right now you need that comforter right now yeah but then what where does it go when you need a new one um and it's it's just like non-stop it's like we get special pots and pans that will match your easter decorations and you can have a whole new set of pots and pans for every single holiday like it's just like it's never ending and as long as we are just relentlessly consuming and creating trash it's just like it's just it's just never going to stop. And like, think about it. You buy this wooden sign that says live, laugh, love on it for six bucks. Okay. You've got your live, laugh, love for six bucks, six bucks. That's like really cheap. Um, that's less, hopefully less than what the person made it is making, but it's probably not. You are so, dropping such reality on us. <laughs> like, literally, I'm just sitting here, like, thinking as she's talking, and I'm like, man, I have a lot of crap that I just need to recycle and get rid of. And We all do. You know, it's like, I am it's not... Just so sad. ...something that I am not a part of. Like, I am equally mm-hmm. a part of it. I am not above the fact that I play into this as well. We all do. Mm-hmm. Um... Mm-hmm. Because it is, because we, we are entrenched in a system. Um, and so, you know, to go on every day, we don't want to think about the atrocities committed every single day. But when you think about it, there's people being paid pennies in a country to paint whatever garbage people are buying here. So the people are exploited. So that energy, Right what it feels like to make less. We all know what it feels like to make less than what we're worth. So we know how that feels and imagine it like times 12, right? Like when you're making so much less and we know what it feels to be overworked humans working 40 plus hours a week. That's mental. That is mental. It is not enough time for self care. (laughs) So we know what oppressing humans like feels like as individuals and so imagine that on like a large scale, you know, in lo- in countries like China producing like tons of cheap stuff. Um, so so there's the human energy, but then there's the environmental energy of what it takes to ship and package. And the trash goes to the dump, but the dump isn't some black hole. <laughs> it exists on this planet. <laughs> The oh, man. <laughs> like, <laughs> I feel like people need to investigate dumps. Yes. There's got to be some really wild paranormal energy at dumps. I mean, we've created trash islands, multiple islands that just exist of trash. Mm-hmm. Come on. <laughs> when does it end? When does it stop? Like, so, you know, we know 
that humans can leave imprints like energetically. Mm -hmm. So that's where the oppression comes in. Like, right. There's so much oppression, like human oppression. So imagine all that energy, what that's doing. And then plus the environmental energy, which is what we're seeing with elementals. Wow. I mean, that's, that's, that is so much. I, I'm like, literally, I'm just like, okay, now I know I need to fix the planet, but where do I start? <laughs> where do you start? Well, we start by holding the biggest polluters accountable because mm-hmm. our government, specifically the United States government, puts it on our shoulders to fix the problem, right? We have to not use straws. We have to recycle. We have to do these things. And we are not the major polluters at mm-hmm. all. There are companies dumping and dumping and dumping into our oceans. Like, those are the ones that we have to hold accountable. So we have to hold our government accountable because (laughs) they get paid by those companies. (laughs) So just let them continue to do what they're doing. And if you feel... And the companies are oppressing people. Yes. I I was going to chime in and say, yeah, if anyone feels like the system is stacked against you, it's because it is to what Katie said a minute ago. The -hmm. reason we have so much junk to buy is because they don't I I say they making it sound like it's some shadow organization. But I believe that they is just greedy people, (laughs) you know. Yeah, it, they is the right. It's the people that are profiting have these things consistently hitting the shelves. So you're not focused on feeling bad because if you feel bad, right. go buy yourself another live, laugh, love sign that you're going to throw away in two years right. anyway. You know, it just and it does make you feel good for a second. shopping does make you feel good. It, yeah, like, retail therapy. Absolutely. It's like a thing. Right. And we were all like we're so taught. um to equate success with how like how much money we have and yeah. things like that. So I notice a lot. So I'm a people watcher and I work in a retail situation. So obviously I'm doing a lot of watching. <laughs> and I, <laughs> I can't help but notice a lot of um, a certain type of attitude. People love to fill a cart with things they're not going to buy and walk around with this cart of things. And I, and I don't think that they're doing it to be a dick. I think that they're doing it to feel like they can afford all of that, to feel this kind of success. It's part of the therapy. Um, That's so such a sad mindset. It's all just like very sad. Like we we're all just like finding these weird ways of coping with so much oppression <laughs> Um, that we're doing weird things like that. We're doing weird things that make us feel like people will come up when, you know, sometimes I have to ring people up and people will come up to the register and they'll, they'll act like something is wrong with, with something, which is why they're not buying it. And it's like, you can just tell me you don't want it or whatever, or I don't, Mm-hmm. I don't know what this charade is, but I don't need it. <laughs> like, you know, but they're so worried about the judgment on why they are not like affording this or buying this. Like they need to let me know that they can afford it. Mm-hmm. And so I know I'm kind of spiraling here, but it's all an en- it's all an energy, right? It's all in how we're coping and how we're trying to navigate this landscape um but we're 
it's just none of it's working. <laughs> Absolutely. And the elementals I mean, are out here being like, none of it's working. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know, maybe working. that's, yeah, like you're saying, you know, maybe that's very much of the mindset of why these elementals are coming out and they're reaching out to humanity. Whereas maybe back during when, you know, the Greeks wrote about them and, you know, discovered them, I guess, whatever, you know, um, I think maybe now it's, they're like, okay, y'all are in trouble and we're really in trouble. Can we work together? Can we, can we have some help here, please? Yeah. And I think that that's kind of where we're at at this point. And it's a scary kind of thing to think about for the future. It is. It is. But Paul Rudd had my best, my favorite quote recently. He said, caring is the new not giving a shit. And I love, I love this quote because it's so honest, right? Like it's admitting the fact that it was cool to not give a shit for a long time, Mm -hmm. to not give a shit about others, the planet, nothing. That is what was cool, especially like eighties and nineties. Right. That was like, Oh yeah. So cool to not give a shit. Um, but he's right. It's not cool anymore. And, you know, people are starting to be really loud about holding others accountable. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes it's extreme, but we're in a pretty extreme situation. <laughs> so I think so, too. I've got it's going to be what it's going to be. Gotta ask, have either of you watched The Social Dilemma on Netflix? Because I finally caught it last night after a bunch of recommendations from a neighbor. And I've got to recommend it to people out there listening. On Netflix, it's not super scary, but Katie, (laughs) Hagen, I know you two would love it. It talks about... It is it is all of these who's who from Silicon Valley, all Twitter staffers, Facebook staffers, the ones that made the algorithms that we're addicted to talking mm. very frankly. <laughs> yeah, they're talking very frankly, saying this is real. This is an addiction. And it, it finally yeah. made me because because I I was in college in 2010. I studied social media as a degree. It was cool to be so hooked to your phone and then skip yeah. forward a decade, and I, I realized watching this, I'm like, we are those zombies that people used to make memes about just walking oh on our phones more than ever because they they visualize to you what the algorithm does. Hey, if you haven't looked at your um, if you haven't looked at your Instagram in the last ten minutes, uh, we'll send you a ping telling you so and so has jumped on board. So. I like to take like a day, two days off, you know, here and there, you know, mm-hmm. the old mental health. And Instagram is relentless in mm-hmm. those periods. It's like, Kyle just made a post. Oh, this person just, oh, that didn't grab you? Well, this person made a post. Oh, this person made a post. Oh, these mm-hmm. people updated their stories. It's like very relentless. Yes. Or this person that you barely pay attention to started a video. Yes. And then you go and literally turn those notifications completely off and have to practically mute the person in order to stop getting those. And it still gives them to you regardless. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. And then it will be like, your notifications aren't on. Are you sure you want your notifications off? It's like, yes, my God. Yes, I do. <laughs> leave me alone, Instagram. Stop stalking me. I'm just trying to live in the present and what's in front of me, Instagram. My God. <laughs> 
Uh, that Katie is what is what they hit on here is saying it is such it is such a happiness box that we carry with us that if we're feeling lonely we reach for it and it makes us feel not lonely if we're feeling this it'll provide that for you so I guess actually bringing it back around to the paranormal that that's to me creepy enough as is when you really think of it like drug hits like someone shooting you up in the arm every time you pick the phone up is scary but I wonder what that will do to PK stuff in the future too like how how do oh. our hauntings look whenever you know we've been so manipulated by this and you're right too about like a a junkyard or something where anywhere that our oh. phones are being thrown how much love hate and everything resides in your phone like oh. i think our phones are a portal i mean i could get into the phones and paranormal in a whole separate discussion <laughs> Um, you guys are members of the museum, right? Yes. Have you participated in the live ghost hunts? Not yet, but I hear there's a seance this Saturday. There's a seance and they do periodic live investigations. And so, and they've been doing this for years. So Mm -hmm. obviously I've seen, you know, I've been, I've watched my fair share of their live investigations. And if there is something that is a common theme within all of them. It's that people in the chat report it report paranormal investigation. Uh, not <laughs> concussion. <laughs> I know you they report paranormal activity during in their homes during this time while they're watching every time. Every time. It doesn't matter if they are out investigating at a haunted location. It doesn't matter if they're doing. Um, experiments with some of the haunted objects. It doesn't matter what they're doing. The minute they start to engage in with energies, people are feeling it at home every time. Wow. And there's a horror movie about it, right? Has anybody watched Host? No, I haven't. Well, don't watch it before the seance. <laughs> don't watch it before the seance. <laughs> it is literally about a seance via Zoom. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. And I would go so far as to say that even, um, you know, with mediumship abilities, empathic abilities, all that, you start to almost um, feel those energies. And I feel like we can actually spread not just energies, but mindsets. And um, we made a joke, a a group of friends of mine a couple of years ago. Um, I ended up with a cold and then. I talked to a bunch of people in a discord call and suddenly everybody else had it. And I said, well, maybe, you know, y'all caught it through a discord. And then I started thinking about that. I'm like, well, what is a cold? It's energy that's manifested into some sort of physical ailments. So now I'm starting to go, huh, did we actually send a cold through the internet? Could have. And, you know, that's very much a possibility. And so I would say from those kind of things. about that for COVID, but. Sure. <laughs> uh, let's not talk about that for yeah. COVID, please. <laughs> oh, gosh, no. I can't um, use my computer. <laughs> That's bad. I'm really stuck. <laughs> yeah, please, no. Don't, don't, don't. Uh, but I would say that, you know, we have to also be careful what we're sending out there to the internet and what we're sending out there into people. And, um, you know, I would say my advice for anybody is kind of give yourselves a little bit of a bubble between you and your machines, Mm. because I think that you're sending out some crazy energy. And if that can be said about your phone, let alone what are we doing on a webcam and everything else that we're sending out? Like, yeah, Yeah. 
I am looking into your house right now. You are looking into my house right now. Jason is watching you. <laughs> Jason's effectively From in my house right now. Thanks, Technically, Kate. like, I'm in your house right now. Isn't that weird? <laughs> you are Jason. in my living room right now. <laughs> You're, You're in, in my, my bedroom. bedroom. <laughs> oh, we just made it into Katie's bedroom on Twitch of all places. <laughs> that, you were right. I mean, that is, it is, it is so much to say. We transfer, we, we know... I guess what I want to say is for anyone that gets skeptical about energy transferring through phones or internet or anything like that, we do know that our interactions with someone, good or bad, small as they might be, really shape someone's day. If someone walks past you and give off that air of being miserable, you can absorb yeah. that and have that affect your day and then domino that to other people. Yeah. So even in, I think, the most agreeable terms, we know that someone's mood is definitely contagious. Definitely. Absolutely. Definitely. And I think, too, for like any disbelievers, it's important to think mm -hmm. about the placebo effect of medicine, right? Where Mm -hmm. um, you can be given, you can have physical illness, physically show symptoms of being sick and be given a pill that fixes it and it will fix it. But it's just a sugar pill. It's just a placebo. Like a lot of, a lot of things go wrong with us in our mind and just need to be fixed in our mind. And if we believe it, like you believe this pill is going to fix you and it does. And then you learn Mm -hmm. later that was just a sugar pill. It happens all the time. It's like a medical phenomenon, placebo effect. It's a great band named after it. (laughs) That's a great band (laughs) (laughs) Um, but you know that that's very accurate though because we see that in the the blind test where they get the sugar pills or they get the you know saline solution injections versus um any sort of actual drug and then you see a percentage of that population that actually does improve because they really believe oh hey i'm getting cured or whatever yeah so for sure so i mean our so if our minds can cure our own illnesses, of course, I mean, they can do a lot of things. Absolutely. I, I, I don't know. This all just seems like such great things to, to be talking about, especially for our people out there that are going into investigations and such that, hmm. that we do, we do have this weird separation between the science that we accept and yet the, things that we discard so quickly in investigative situations a lot of the time. I mean, we also agree that there are sympathetic pains and such like that. You know, people can feel mm-hmm. what well, there's sim- even sympathetic pregnancy, right? Like uh, there's cases yeah. where men can feel the, the pain that the, the woman's going through, which is yep. just mind numbing. You've already you got phantom limbs too, pain that's yes. not even attached to anything anymore. And then we go into investigations and, and I say we like this. 2020 human culture just wants to believe that things can't actually touch you, can't actually make you feel a certain way. Yet, as soon as our doctor says that's what that is, we are believing of it. So I think bringing up the placebo effect is a really good one because I think we just dismiss that way too fast. That it's a lot of time in your head and you can fix it similarly. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Get your mind right. Get your mind right. Could we use that, Pagan? That might be a great segue to one that you wanted to talk to Katie about regarding the crone, if you'd like to share some. Yes, I would love to talk about the crone. 
So um, in your season five, episode two, I believe, um, when Greg Newkirk took the crown and did his own little, you guys took your individual idols and objects and did your investigation with them. He did the crone. And when he was discussing the crone's effects from the previous owners with the wet footprints and the water that was around. And then I thought it was a very interesting kind of synchronistic kind of correlation that you guys were working with water elementals. Mm. And so I guess my question is the spirit, and you may know this, you may not, I don't know. Um, the spirit that's associated with that specific object and idol, could it have been a water elemental that attached itself to that or just a spirit that was associated with water? I think that she was a woman. I don't actually know a ton about the crone. I'm not going to lie. Um, I was not around to take part in any of the rituals um, based around the crone. But I know that they thought that the wet footprints from her were because she was drowned. Oh, that's interesting. But but I don't think that they know that. I'm not mm -hmm. sure. Mm -hmm. That's just me speaking from like way in the past from things I like might remember or might not. Mm -hmm. Sure. Uh, I think that ultimately because they would see her. So mm -hmm. they knew a woman like a well, it was showing up as a woman. Um, obviously, that's another conversation. What our brains like mm -hmm. see. Um, we're always a woman in white, right? Always. <laughs> but this wasn't. This was like a wet woman. Um, and I think that... And I think she had long, stringy hair, if I remember mm -hmm. right. But I think that they saw her. Um... And she was, and she was wet. She's a rare case of mm -hmm. someone that presents as fearful and scary and continues that presence, even when treated with nothing but kindness. Mm -hmm. um, we did a lot of different things to try to make her comfortable with the Newkirks and comfortable living there. Mm -hmm. But obviously... I mean, everybody knows they've got a documentary coming out about this object, so that will be exciting. I do, probably but now I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, they have publicly announced that. I'm not. I'm not giving any secrets. I don't have okay. any secrets. <laughs> <laughs> they have announced on Twitter that they're making a documentary about their process with the crone. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. So that's exciting. Um, so I'm sure that will answer like all of our questions ultimately, mm -hmm. but, um, I, I do think that she was just like one of the rare haunted objects that just like was in a major unrest and was mm -hmm. very interested in making everyone around her as uncomfortable as she was at all times, at all times, at all times, I um, Saw Greg holding her in the one episode, and the camera even zooms in on his eyes because he describes <laughs> having, you know, just that like some sort of physical stabbing sensation or burning. And he, mm -hmm. the look that, that was going, like he was squinting so hard. I'm like, that just looks pain. I can feel your pain from afar. Yeah. And yeah. To, to, to think, you know, whether 
I mean, it's just interesting also the inner play off of each other. I know that's why they were brought into that space to try and yep. see what that one might exacerbate or otherwise have it. And also really interesting, Billy trying to like, there's that a scene where the K2 starts going off. And guys like Billy's talking to someone. It's like, whoa. <laughs> Billy really lived up to exactly what they found out about him, which is really cool. Um, he was always such a protector in every sense of the word in every investigation uh he makes another appearance at the hinsdale house episodes if you want to watch mm -hmm. those he's really protective in those ones too um and then they find out that you know that he's a nikisi spirit and that part of his duty was to protect and it's like oh well <laughs> that, that makes obvious. sense that's like what he's been doing this whole time and um I know that back when we filmed that the crone was like pretty new to them, but I do know that, um, you know, without telling their own stories, um, I do know that she just continued to make everyone uncomfortable, like to the point where causing yeah. harm. Wow. So, yeah. Very so interesting. I know that that's, she's interesting. She definitely like was the, her and the drum were the two I was not ready mm -hmm. to fuck with oh yeah I, you know i wasn't like you know whether you believe it or not like it's disrespectful to you know antagonize mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So i felt like i felt no matter i don't know i think when i was choosing those two were immediately ruled out in my mind which is funny because that's what Greg and Dana both picked, but those two in my mind were completely not on the table because I felt like my energy antagonized them for some reason. Right. Um, uh, and I'm a klutz, so the drums, hello, were definitely. <laughs> I was like, watch like my bracelets fall off and like, don't, don't, and dr like, I'm like, no. <laughs> I love the Loa spawning drum or something like that. Loa summoning drum. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't going to mess around with accidentally trying to drum on this drum. So I knew that one yeah. was ruled out <laughs> in a big way. Um, but that poor crone. I hope I hope she's found some rest. Mm -hmm. I know that, you know, I know that they did that huge ritual and everything. But I hope that it worked. Uh, yeah, and that's awesome, though, that, you know, that you're able to still, you know, kind of talk about these things and, you know, obviously have been in the same room with them. So, yeah, um, I, do I think, think a lot really of people have the same feeling about the crone as I do. Yeah, she was definitely terrifying, for yeah. sure. Um, and that was just watching her through a screen, obviously. <laughs> <Yeah>. So, <laughs> I mean, so it, it's She's... kind of the same thing. If she terrifies you through a screen, I couldn't imagine being in the same room with her. Yeah. Um, she was did, one I wouldn't mess with. <laughs> I, I have one kind of follow-up question concerning the drum in the same episode when uh, you guys are doing the Seal of Solomon ritual mm -hmm. and uh, you hear something <laughs> tap that drum. Oh. Did anything else like energetic-wise come out of that when that happened? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> the face you made. I honestly don't know. Maybe. Maybe. Okay. Um, we always we always did 
do like luckily with Rumford, you can kind of get a little wild in there because it's not someone's home. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, obviously it's a place where children go. You don't want to like, I don't know, stir something up and just be like, see you later. Yeah. But um, but there is a lot there is a lot more looseness because you're not responsible for somebody living in this establishment. Um, but, you know, we do a thing at the end of every investigation, but, um, I'm not, I'm not sure if anything happened. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Katie, we've kept you way longer than we meant to. We've already had you here for an hour. Like I, I'm worried. I, what I've been having so much fun, like (laughs) tapping into your brain uh, is just, and I, like I said, I'm, I'm worried for your time. I, I want to, we'll wrap it up here so you can get on with your day. But like this, <laughs> this has been so much because we just want to ask a couple questions about elementals and had no, I warned them though. Oh, yeah. To be fair, I warned them. I said, listen, in the last interview with Katie, we had some very like simple talking points and you took us to this wonderful land we could have never, <laughs> you know, asked you to take us to. And again today, so we have to give you our huge mm-hmm. thanks. Katie, can you give people some information on where they could find you out there and how they can support? Because you've got tarot cards and all kinds of stuff going on. There's a lot of ways to support me. You can just send me money. That's always cool. <laughs> yes, Jet. <laughs> um, but if you want something in return, <laughs> I I make tarot cards. I make... Um, I make these fun little oracle flip books. Yes. That I thought... That mm-hmm. I thought was kind of genius of me. <laughs> um, and uh, what else? I make a bunch of art. I'm in the middle of making three new decks. Oh, wow. <laughs> three? three? I don't know. <laughs> no Th- big deal. <laughs> three? Can, can you tease at all what like the general concepts of those might be? Yeah, I can. I, te- I actually do all the time. Just nobody knows it. I, te- I put, I put <laughs> images out on the internet all the time because... <gasps> I think that they're getting charged. Um, um, So I do it all the time. But um, Mm -hmm. yeah, so I'm making another flip book um, because these are fun and you can't have too many, I feel like, Um, because these you just kind of like instead of shuffling, you kind of just like boink and then, you know, take yourself on a date. It says I don't know if you can't. Uh, You can't see it, but (laughs) it says take yourself on a date. There's all kinds of cute little things. Um, So making another one of these. And then I have two tarot decks that are in the works. I, one has been in the works for two years. Well, oh wow! I guess technically for 10 years. 10 years ago, I wrote definitions of, to a tarot deck that I never created. So I guess technically I wrote the definitions 10 years ago. But um, I've been making the cards themselves for two years. And those are all of those Nick Cage pictures you see. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, when you said they're all out there, that's where my brain went. <laughs> It is a Nick Cage deck. <laughs> That's awesome. There are 73 pictures of Nicolas Cage at your disposal. Actually, I've only created about 40 so far, but um, <laughs> I have about 40 That's <laughs> ready. Amazing. I'm excited for that one the most because it's been in the works for the longest. And every image is created on a piece of glass. Um, and so I'm excited to just... I, I don't know. I think they're going to, the energy of these cards is going to be really wild. Um, 
But then I'm also making another one um, that's a digital collage. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that'll be good. Um, that one's almost done. That one I banged out really quick. I just need to hire a few models because, you know, you got to people in the tarot cards and they can't all be me. <laughs> well, I mean, what we're missing here is that you've not capitalized yet on the Katie Webb Oracle deck, which is just pictures of you. Yes. We'll wait yeah, for yeah. Nick Cage to put that one out, though. Yeah. <laughs> That'll be the one coming from. Right. Yeah. I, I'm probably going to do. Uh, I know my friend Cindy and I are working on a hollow notes divination deck. <laughs> How could you not? You you talked about using their playlist, using the hollow notes yeah, uh, compilation. Yeah, we love to like, uh, you know, and one thing I never really specified at Phenomenicon was I feel like the Hollow Notes discography is very specifically good for like love questions. They will answer Ooh. your like love questions. So if you go on Spotify and you just type in Hollow Notes and you can hit shuffle after you ask a question, they will literally answer it. <laughs> um, probably because their discography is so vast. Um, mm-hmm. And it's such, and they're such storytellers in their songs. So I think that that really helps um, in the divination aspect. But um, I don't know if you saw Dr. Eric Wargo. He was talking yes. on Twitter about how he uses like Star Trek. There's a lot of, I think, things that you watch like personally. Like I could probably use Parks and Rec as oh. divination because I've watched it so much. I feel like things that you make like a personal connection to can be divination. So I do. I do have another uh, Oracle deck. On my website that's just i just call it the tarot oracle deck like megan the stallion because she one is our leader and should be our president and you know wap is our national anthem um there we go <laughs> um, and um and i feel like this deck that i recently put out it's just it looks like pretty much everyday pictures but it's really because there's metaphor and there's divination all around you every single day. And um, these cards really highlight that. And it's a really personal deck because I did not include any definitions. It's up to you to decide what these cards feel like. And you kind of, before you can kind of even use it with other people, you kind of have to make those decisions. You kind of have to make the decisions on what the cards kind of mean so that you know how to communicate it towards somebody else um Mm -hmm. and it's really asking you to go into your feelings and access parts of yourself that you maybe you don't on a daily basis um so that deck is really personal it has no name everyone is expected to name their own deck (laughs) um but otherwise the other ones are all they're coming and they're much more traditional well they're not traditional, but they're more traditional. <laughs> <laughs> they're more traditional. Not, I love it. Nothing <laughs> I will be traditional because I want everything to change. So I don't like to I don't like to use magic that supported the system that we're in now. Yes. And that's hard. Because mm-hmm. we it's like with tarot especially, right? Like we all understand it. Like it's like a something that we've all kind of grown to learn and use. But I think we can push it and go further. That is well said. That <laughs> is so well said. Chat that that builds. Laura had just um, we we poked her about the question. You probably saw her tweet before where she was um, yeah. challenging 
practitioners out there that if you see a new witch asking a question, don't recommend them an age old book that's steeped yeah. in sexism and class issues, racism. And I started learning traditional tarot recently because this is my first experience in it. And I chose traditional just because I wanted a, to borrow a frame of reference. But yeah. bo- what you just said is really true. You are buying into um, more old world imagery of traditional masculine feminine roles and things like that that we i think is the progressive folk in our hearts we don't want that to be our future so you know maybe mm-hmm. be moving on like I, I probably should start focusing more on other oracle decks and such that that kind of get rid of this older system that we're ingrained in like you're saying yeah i think you know i think the archetypes given in the tarot have a place mm-hmm. um because <clears throat> It's a commonality. We can kind of all learn together. But then I, like you said, it's steeped in duality. It acts like there's no gray area. Mm -hmm. I mean, humans do nothing but live in the gray area. So I think it's, um, you know, I, and I'm trying to word this in the right way, but I think it's time to take it to the next step. And I think that with every, there's so many tarot decks out there and there's so many that tap into some really great ideas. Um, The slow hauler deck is sadly out of print, but it is one of the best queer decks I have ever seen. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's so, but there's so many, you know, and there's more being made every day. And when, you know, when you start learning these certain, like those certain archetypes, right? Like the hermit, the magician, the high priestess, like we all can have a frame of reference for what those are, but what those are to us individually is where we start to build. So I think that like learning that framework, that really traditional tarot is, is the base. Mm-hmm. And then you grow from there. Because us as individuals, we have so much to offer. Um, there's no reason to memorize someone else's words other than if, you, if you're going to take it and mash it with your own words and make something new. I love mm-hmm. that. Katie, I love that, too. Thank you for joining <laughs> us today. You, you've thank dropped you a ton of me. knowledge. Um, we would love to take you up on the offer in the future of having you back to talk so many of the different like rabbit holes we avoided today because we knew that there are whole other hours. But I know I'd love to talk to you about like the shared imagery we use and how that could communicate with others, building that lexicon and knowledge upstairs so you can communicate easier. I'd love to talk about uh, communicating energies over the phone and Internet. I think. I really think we do that. We can make ourselves feel certain ways. I know you've made chat very happy. They're all saying thank you for the great interview today. Yay, good. So, <laughs> so even asked if they can if we can keep you. <laughs> if we can keep Katie, you are always yes, they want us to keep Katie. <laughs> she's always welcome to come by. There is a link, multiple links in chat, you guys. We've been showing a lot of your the the Oracle decks up there as you've been talking about nice. them. Thank you. <laughs> so please, you guys go. Like she said, you can just send her money, but I can speak from. <laughs> experience 
Um, you can also <laughs> spe- send her money and take a great tarot class. She has one of those up there for yeah. $15. That is beautiful. Yep. Get you access to all kinds of videos. You, If you love Katie being awesome and bubbly and just exuding that energy through the screen, she does that and teaches you tarot, arcana, and all kinds of stuff in there. So check out all of her work. Katie, just thank you again so much. We'll let you go here. Get back to your day. Have some fun. Give the cat some love for us. And we'll chat with yeah. you very soon. We might have oh, lost her, her, too. I think we lost her. Did we no. lose Katie at the right time? That's weird. <laughs> Discord, why? Why, oh, you butt? Okay. Well, we literally lost Katie at the end. So, Katie, we love okay. you. Thank you for everything. Peggy, Katie, I don't know if you can still hear us, but we do love you. We, you, you just inspire us. With, we'll stop flattering her now, though. We don't want to. <laughs> we don't want to make her blush. Um, let's pop out of this call. We'll hop back in the other one and conclude the episode. Then sounds great. Boop. Poor Katie, everyone. Katie just dipped out there at the end, but literally could not have dipped out at a better time. Because that happened yesterday with Laura too. Like her camera broke as we were about, or not her camera, but my capture of it broke as we were uh, gonna do that. So beautiful interview could not have ended like at a more apt time anyway so thanks internet gods for uh not being too brutal with us today thank you i i I love that we were able to get as much time as we did and interestingly chat we i think we only had scheduled it for what like 15 20 minutes yeah and we got like over an hour with her i mean that that's katie so also, um, I think you can follow her through her website on Twitter. She has some of the most amazing, inspiring tweets out there. She does. Go follow her. Go follow her, please. Yes. If anyone is catching this in audio forum, you are going to gorganized.me uh, on Twitter. She is Gorgon, G-O-R-G-O-N underscore Katie, K-I-T-K-A-T-I-E, just in case my words are failing me i'm putting that in chat too um katie's actually linked in many places with us we have her up on the podcast feed thanks to pagan we have a little panel of her below if you want to click it'll send you to her Mm -hmm. previous interview with all of these links listed actually well i think i can do that right here on the chaos and shadow website and show you guys really quickly if we go down, we click on our Katie Webb interview. This is her last one. You can listen to it straight from there and you can click all of her links straight from there. So huge thank you to everyone out there in chat. I'm going to put a cut in this recording. So those that are listening on the uh, podcast feed, thank you so much for being subscribed to the Revelator Morning Show. Thank you for sc- subscribing to the Chaos and Shadow feed. We plan to drop so many more amazing piece of content on you. We've got so many people agreeing to come on board the show. So huge thank you to Katie, mm-hmm. to Laura, to to Michelle in advance, to Brian, to everyone that's taking the time to sit down with us. You guys mean so much. And uh, we will catch up with you very soon.